0: From John 1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that is made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known.
1: Everyone has their their favorite uh, Christmas music or Advent music. Uh, The video that we're going to watch now, I I believe I showed it to you last year. Someone reminded me of it. But I'd like us to watch it again because it's not your classic Christmas song. But I think it has a lot to say to us uh, to set the stage for advent and the sense of anticipation and maybe even a little bit of um, Holy Spirit-inspired angst for us. So as soon as we're ready, we'll watch it. There we go.
2: Oh one of these over rocks Saints, we all tremble and cry for pain, for the Lord's gonna come in his heavenly airplane.
1: So what do you think? If God was one of us, what would he look like? What would he look like? I've told you before that everyone is full of something. And I don't know what in particular you're full of today. Hopefully it's good stuff. Might need your help with advancing the slide. I don't think we're working. Thanks. But it would be helpful for us to uh, review the scripture that was read this morning. Um, before we do that, I want to read you this quote about Advent. Did you feel the angst in that song? What if God was one of us? What what does He really like? This song, in its own kind of, well, you <laughs> can choose your adjective way, reminds me a bit of that uh, Christmas hymn, "O Come, O Come, o Emmanuel," because it talks. There's kind of a yearning there. There's kind of a plaintive. Maybe it's the car- guitar chords that get to me every time I hear this song. But there's something about what it if I could just connect with God, is he really there? Or what, what? does he really understand what's going on in my life? Or is he just way there? Like, I got the transcendent part of God, like way up there. But what about the imminent part of God? Like, is he with me? Does he know what my spouse is like? Does he know what my partner's like? Does he know what my kids or my parents or both are like? Does God know how my boss treats me or my former boss? Does he know what's going on? So in Advent, there's this sense of anticipation and longing that things need to be set right somehow. Somebody's got to do something about the situation because things aren't good. Everything is hitting the fan, and it's not a nice smell that's coming out of the fan. It's not good, all right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who uh, actually was killed, uh, murdered by the Nazis in the Second World War in a concentration camp. But before he died, he wrote this about Advent. A prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Bonhoeffer knew what he was talking about because he spent a few years in prison before he was killed. And he had this sense that Advent's this, this time when um, we're looking forward to God, to celebrating God breaking in in his human history and doing something. But in the meantime, uh, we're waiting, waiting for God to show up and anticipating that. And I think the song you watched this morning is the same kind of angst. And it's like, does God really care? Is he really there? Well, we know that he is because this is what was read to us this morning. Read so well. I love it when people read the scripture like they mean it. It's very encouraging. You know, I've been in too many, Christi- uh, too many churches where the scripture really gets up and la-na-na-na-na. it's like, hello, do you have a pulse or do you believe it? And I just appreciate here at Elam when people read the scripture in public. It's like they actually believe this stuff, which is very encouraging because I believe it too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, our darkness, has not overcome it. Now, in the beginning, does that sound familiar? Where do we hear that part again? Oh, yeah, Genesis 1, right? This is kind of a mini-microvision of of Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and God made everything. But this Word didn't didn't just stay there in the beginning, getting things started and supervising the universe. The Word that started all this stuff in the first place became flesh, human being. Remember um, what John was talking about a couple of weeks ago? Carne, incarnation. Carne, flesh, became one of us. And made his dwelling among us. I love this word dwelling. There's something powerful about this word dwell. It means that he didn't just, he's not, you know, Jesus didn't come and just sort of couch surf his way through human existence. He didn't just sort of beam down and pop up and say, you know, say a few words and as, as an adult and disappear. It wasn't an apparition. But he was born the way that all human beings were born except it wasn't as a result of a human father, which boggles your mind. That's worth a few weeks of pondering on its own. But he came into the world just like the rest of us. Through a birth canal, and he was born, and he, someone had to feed that little guy, and someone had to toilet train him, someone had to you know, teach him how to use utensils, and all these things, all these things. He, he made his dwelling among us. He didn't sort of float above the world like some kind of ethereal spirit and that, that we could not connect with. And the Bible says that Jesus went through every challenge that human beings went through. Think about it. He was born poor. We know that because the Bible says when Jesus was born, as his, his folks went to the temple to offer a sacrifice, it, it wasn't the usual sacrifice that a fairly well off Family would make. He was definitely part of the 99. Let's put it that way. He was poor, working class poor. Grew up Jewish, with throughout history, is basically being like it's it's you've got a target in your back if you're Jewish. When he was just a young, just a little toddler, his parents were political refugees. They had to flee for their lives for another country. In the middle of the night, they barely escaped a murderous attempt on his life so he knew what it was like to leave home and to be a refugee and to be displaced he knew what it was like to be rejected by his family his own mom and brothers thought he was you know he had mental issues because at one point in starting his ministry they came to take him away quietly you know because they thought this guy is he's he's not mentally stable he was rejected by his family. He was re- deserted by his friends. The very people who said, like Peter, one of his best buddies said, you know, Jesus, I'm going to die for you no matter what. A few hours later, denies that he every blankety-blank knew the so-and-so. You know, Can you, can you identify this? And Jesus just didn't float through life in a bed of roses. He made his dwelling among us. He knew what it was like to experience all the challenges and hard times of being a human being on planet Earth. That's why I'm so encouraged by this incarnation thing that we're talking about this Advent. Because I need somebody with skin on that I can relate to. Not some idealized, spiritualized person who never sweat or cried or bled. I need someone who is real. So he made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Remember we talked about the explosion last week, the, the wow factor? We've seen his glory. And what did Jesus' glory look like? It was full of grace and truth. That's what made that, that's what gave Jesus the wow factor. He was full of grace and truth. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. John continues, out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, for who is himself God and who is, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So let's back up for a second. So out of the fullness of Jesus, God becoming human being, We've seen his glory, full of what? All right. You're gonna, that's good. You're going to practice again. What is Jesus full of? Grace. Right on. We're going to unpack that. You're going to, I'm Lord willing, you're going to leave vibrating, not because of what I'm saying, but because of God's saying. Full of grace and truth. Okay. Now, it says, uh, out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place, in place of grace already given for the law was given through moses now ten commandments what what comes to mind what's the first thing that comes to mind when i say ten commandments let's play word association this is your chance to verbalize what do you what do you think of pardon thou shalt not yeah yeah anything else pardon moses yeah Yeah, it was given to Moses. What else? Ten Commandments. Love. Who said that? I agree. But that's kind of an unusual answer, but that's good. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. All right, sorry, over here. Greatness, Greatness. yeah, that's right. God hand-wrote those things on tablets of stone. Pretty cool. It was interesting that someone said, the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not. Oh, what a real joy killer. Thou shalt not. You know, it sounds like the angry grumpa, grumpy grandpa. Grumpy grandpa. I've told you a little bit about my dad who was a, um, a public school principal and he had what we call the principal look that every once in a while unintentionally I kind of give people, its kind of, maybe it's genetic, I don't know, but... Um, But it's just this, hmm. And sometimes my dad could be fun with the grandkids, and other times he just kind of, hmm, give them the, the look. But God is not a grumpy grandpa. And behind the Ten Commandments is love, not thou shalt not. And I'll tell you why. The nation of Israel, a bunch of raggedy, so-and-so slaves are coming out of Egypt and God is trying to form a nation, form a, a relationship. They're trying to, he's trying to form them into a people, a family of God. So he says, look, I will be a God and I will be with you, but here's the deal. Here's some guidelines, here's some boundaries. Because if we're going to be in relationship, we're going to be in a relationship of love where I care for you and you care for me, Here are the rules. Here are the boundaries. Here's the deal. It was what we call a DTR talk, right? A define the relationship talk. That's that's what comes out in um, Deuteronomy. It's actually in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And actually, after God lists all the commandments, he says this. Uh, He says, Moses, I hope these people got the message. I hope they paid attention to what I said. And then he says, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Now, God does not say they better keep off all the rules or I'm going to send them all kinds of plagues and nasty things to happen to them. They better keep all the rules or else. No, he says, I've given them the Ten Commandments, so that they can flourish and, and they, can be, they can have a, a foundation for a relationship with me and relationship with each other and a, and a healthy society. And if they follow these, oh, I hope, I, oh, if their hearts would just be inclined to fear me, respect me, to love me, and keep all these commands, it will go well with them and their children. That was the intent behind the Ten Commandments. Not to spoil your fun. Not to have a bunch of thou shalt nots to to ruin your life and to cramp your style. But so you can flourish. So you can have a positive relationship with God and a positive relationship with other people. And healthy. So you can thrive. So we can thrive. Well, we all know how that went. Not so well. Because we can't keep the Ten Commandments on our own right we all tend to wander away now anyone who's ever been a parent and talked to their children about trying to lay out boundaries and saying don't touch the stovetop it's hot don't cross the street without looking both ways make sure you get home before curfew choose your friends wisely whatever boundaries you want to have be careful with that credit card I'm not co-signing it for you. All these things. You understand loving boundaries. And if you do it well, like God does, you understand his heart. Oh, that their heart would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments. So things would go well for them. That was the intent behind the Ten Commandments. So it says we've all received grace in place. That was the grace already given, right? The law was given through Moses. Well, it's not that God's plan failed <laughs> we failed God's plan in giving the Ten Commandments also was a way in, in showing us our need for Jesus because we can't no matter how many good intentions no matter how many things we write down in the first week of January this year I will blank you know dot 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 I will you know do this we we fail we tend to fail because we're self-centered and we we, we have good intentions but we get off track and we fail. Or we're just blatantly selfish and we ignore God altogether. But for whatever reason, we can't keep the commandments by ourselves on our own efforts. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's why we're celebrating. That's why we get so excited about Christmas time. It's not about stimulating the economy or, you know, balancing the balance sheet. If you're in retail, I can certainly you know sympathize with you i understand it's you know december is a really important month on the financial balance sheet but that's not what christmas is all about for a christian it's about anticipating the coming of jesus and the ultimate solution to the ultimate human problem our selfishness and our sin our rebellion against our creator and grace and truth came through jesus That's what Christmas is all about. That's what following Jesus is all about. Experiencing this grace and this truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm loving what Bodo is doing. And I know that you will remember, if nothing from the sermon, you will remember the children's story. Don't worry. I tend to do that too. Now, let's think about this. Uh, The whole idea of the map. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's jump ahead a little bit uh, further on in John. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, you know, in a little while, guys, I won't be with you all the time. I'm going to go to heaven and i going to be getting a place ready for you. Then I'm going to come back for you. And this puzzled the disciples. This is their permanent state. The little bit, mm, what's Jesus talking about? No, I don't get it. So Thomas, bless his heart, he was the first one brave enough to say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus very patiently said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus made a very bold, provocative, and politically incorrect statement in this passage. He didn't say, I know the way to God, or I have a better way of living for you, or follow these so many steps and you will achieve spiritual enlightenment or improve your life. He didn't say any of those things. He didn't say, I know the way to God. He said, I am the way to God. Now, let's be rational here. Some of you who've done the Alpha Course, you're going to know the answer to this one. Was Jesus a good teacher? Was he just a good teacher? Anybody who walks around saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, is not just a good teacher. He's either a liar or a lunatic or perhaps a demon from hell. That's what, how C.S. Lewis rated it. But let's not have any kind of this pandering nonsense about Jesus just being a good teacher. It's not true. You meet someone walking down Portage Avenue. Appears fairly normal. But in the course of a conversation, this person says, I am the way to God. What do you do? Back away really quickly. And if they look like they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else, you look around for the authorities, right? People just don't say this. But Jesus did. He claimed that. In fact, he backed it up. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you'll know my Father. You see me? This is God. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Hey, guys, do you want, you want the way to God? You got it. Right here. Philip said, now, you would think that the disciples would get it, but I love these guys because they're so thick and it's so comforting when I find it hard to figure out what Jesus is up to because they did too. Okay? Philip said, okay, that's nice. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Right? They still haven't quite gotten it. Right? Which is kind of comforting. For those of us who aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, Jesus said, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So, seriously, Phil, come on. How can you say, Show us the Father? You want to know what the Father's like? Ta da! That's what he's saying. You cannot read the New Testament and say that, well, Jesus didn't really admit he was God. He was just kind of a good man. He taught us how to live and had some good principles in life, but he didn't really claim he was God. Read the book of John. Read this chapter over again carefully with respect for the original intent of the authors and tell me what you think, right? Don't you believe, Jesus continues, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak in my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. At least, guys, if you don't believe what I say, look at the things I've done. Look at the miracles that God has done through me. That great wedding party where he kicked it all off by making... The best wine at the end of the party. You know, raising people from the dead. Healing people. Delivering people of evil spirits. All this stuff. Guys, don't you get it? If you don't believe what I say, at least look at these signs and pay attention to what God is doing. Okay. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, there's something about this grace and truth thing we need to get straight some of us like to err on the truth on the side of grace well you know we're we're all just kind of one big human family and god loves all of us no matter what and you know these are the oh, I, going to say something that will get me into trouble with dog lovers here but you know anyway do all dogs go to heaven I don't know maybe I haven't been there yet but it's that kind of warm fuzzy oh you know just love everybody and don't worry about your choices don't worry about the truth just love everybody just love 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 and then you get some other people who emphasize the truth we've got to know the truth The truth will set you free. You've got to live in the truth. You've got to know the truth. And I will die for the truth. And I will make you die for the truth too if you don't believe my truth. And I've got to shove my truth down your throat because you need to know the truth. And it'll be good for you. Kind of like castor oil. Just follow the truth. So you see, understand that there's this back and forth thing between some people err on the side of grace and some people err on the side of truth. Uh, Jesus doesn't do that. You can't disconnect the two. They go together. Remember, I think it was a, several weeks ago, I talked about salt, sodium, and chlorine. They go together to make salt, right? The sodium's like the bright light, the truth that shines in everything, all the stuff you don't want people to see. And chlorine in its natural state is this kind of dense, heavy blanket that just kind of surrounds everything and is heavier than air and just sort of settles down and smothers everything. Well, you can have sodium and you can have chlorine, but when you put them together, they're really healthy, life-giving stuff called salt, N-A-C-L. And Jesus, he doesn't err on one side or the other. He's just full of grace and truth. And what I've discovered, the more truth I learn, especially about myself, the more grace I need. Man, the more grace I need. And the more grace I receive from God the Father, the more grace I I realize that He loves me no matter what with any strings attached, the, the more I'm ready to follow His truth. It gives me courage. Think, if God thinks so much of me, If I'm so valuable to him, I can handle anything he says. We know that if we have the sense that if we know that someone really, 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 truly, absolutely cares about us, no matter what, we can handle anything they say, even if it's hurtful, right? We know that. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so there, there are some wounds that our friends will give us if they, even they're, they're creating an intervention. I, I was part of an intervention uh, with a friend a few years ago where we had to confront him about things that were doing. They were destroying his life. And it was really hard. It was really awkward. But we were trying to be, speak the truth in love, combine grace and truth together. And it wasn't easy, it wasn't nice, but we are trying to be kind. Jesus is full of grace and truth, both of those things. And they go together to bring us life, the way that life was meant to be lived in the first place. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, this is good news for us. This is good news, because one of the consequences of failing to keep God's commands is that we place ourselves under a curse—literally under a curse. God says uh, to His people back in Deuteronomy, "Look, here's some options. There's there's life, and there's death. There's a there's a blessing and a curse. You follow my commands, you'll be blessed. You'll thrive." And that's why he says, oh, if you could just follow me and follow my commands, it'll go well with you and all your children. But then if you don't, there's a consequence, right? And again, those of us who are parents understand the word consequence very well. And we say to our children, do you want a consequence? And we, all the kids know it's not good, whatever the consequence is going to be, right? So... Spiritually, because of our disobedience against God, all of creation is under a curse. Jesus came to break the power of that curse by taking all of the garbage, all of the sin in human history all upon himself, all upon him, so we could be free. When we close the service today, we're going to sing, are we singing Joy to the World? Awesome. He comes to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. Pay attention to that verse, the third one I think, third one. It's in there somewhere. Okay? He comes to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. And what that means is that this grace and truth from Jesus, this no strings attached powerful life-giving love and acceptance of sinful, rebellious human beings. And the absolute brightness of all the truth about himself and the truth about us penetrates into our lives and it breaks the power of the curse. It breaks the power of our, the curse that we put upon ourselves as a result of disobeying God's law. It breaks the power of selfishness and spiritual bondage and sin and all the garbage and all the regret, all the grudges, all the junk in our lives, it breaks the power over us. So we don't have to keep repeating the same old mistakes. We don't have to. The potential for freedom is there. That's why we get excited. That's why we sing joy to the world. It's not because anything else to do with cheesy Canadian Christmas celebrations. It's about this powerful event in the spiritual history of the world. So friends, I want you to th- us to think about the truth and grace that is revealed at Christmas time. It can change us from the inside out. I had an experience this week where someone interacted with me and spoke grace and truth into my life. I didn't know what to anticipate in that conversation. I was filled with dread, but also desperation because I want to experience grace and truth and Jesus operating in my life. And he showed up. The truth wasn't pretty, but the grace was beautiful. So it goes together to leads me and leads me on to follow Jesus more and more and leads me deeper into his grace and deeper into his truth and the more you learn about yourself the more we learn about ourselves and what that sin does to god and how it hurts him and how it hurts other people the more we see how marvelous his grace is it's astounding do you find it easy to forgive people maybe once can overlook them but twice Uh, you know not so inclined to forgive someone twice for the same thing, but to go on and on and on. And yet God extends that grace to us when we repent, when we're serious, when we're honest, when we live in the truth. Wow. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Let's not forget that. Let's pray. Father, we don't fully appreciate your grace. It's difficult for us to understand that. And it's difficult for us to to appropriate the truth. But I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to understand how much you love us. And the length you went to, to, to become one of us. So Father, have your hand on us this Advent. Help us to truly appropriate your grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.